Hello, and welcome to the Grappling with Fatherhood podcast, a place where we have an honest conversation about jujitsu, parenthood, the lessons learned in both, and where they sometimes overlap. My name is Blake Cosmeyer. I am a brown belt in jujitsu. And as we are going to talk about today, a very much a white belt at fatherhood. And uh, joining me as always is my co-host, Uday Mahotra. What's up, everybody? Looking forward to chatting through some white belt mentality with you all today. <laughs> so today, uh, we're going to structure things a little bit differently. Um, you know, previously, we kind of dig into each of our respective weeks in fatherhood. This week, we thought we would just dive deep into one topic, and that topic is uh, white belt mentality uh, or white belt mindset. This is a term that we hear a lot in jiu-jitsu, and we're going to talk about what this means, particularly in jiu-jitsu, um, some applications outside of jiu-jitsu, and of course, what white belt mentality means as parents. Uh, before we get into that, let's just do a little check-in. Uday, uh, it's been like yeah, a week or two weeks. Like, What's going on in your world as a dad? Uh, as a jujitsu player, what are you doing? Man, so a lot's going on in fatherhood right now. So, you know, school has started and um, she had just turned four years old. And it's it's such a trip to me because Milena was four when Shia was born. And I just sit back sometimes and look at the differences between the two of them. And it's so stark. It's like so night and day between the two of them. Like I always joke that like Milena has like, puppy dog energy and she has like cat energy and whatever that means to you that's probably what it is in real life with these two like it's like Milena's all playful and like let's go papa let's go let's play let's do this and she is always like let me cuddle up father let's cuddle let's let's watch something together let's it's it's so interesting um for my limited so, interaction yeah. with your kids that is like yeah. the most this is the tightest, most articulate way of like framing that up. Like I, I, I couldn't have used like yeah. you know, obviously you're you're around them all the time. That's why you're so good at yeah. articulating it. But man, that is it to a T. And I think a lot of parents with two kids probably have a puppy dog it's, and and a cat. And a cat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's so interesting. And like you know, one of the things that happened this week is like um, you know, so I, as I think I mentioned before, I'm teaching one of Milena's nogi classes, and so in between cool, that class, so uh, cool. it's the best ever. I love it so much, and so. There's an hour in between the next class I teach. And so the other day I grabbed Milena. I was like, hey, let's roll around a little bit. And when I say that was one of my favorite roles of the year so far, I'm not exaggerating. It's, you know, she's finally at the stage where she's like competent enough on the mat where like we can just have like a playful, fun role. And it's just, it's that. It's just fun. You know, it's like, Look, some some people love playing basketball with their kids. Some people, you know, love going to church with their kids. I love like I told my daughter, I was like, hey, when you catch me in a triangle, I'm gonna give you twenty bucks. And like she <laughs> worked for it. She tried, dude. She tried hard. It was just so much fun, you know? And then um Hey, Ode, can I, also, can I ask yeah. you something actually? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah. so I think a lot of parents, my old professor, he was pretty yeah. um pretty adamant that his kids go to an academy that wasn't his academy and learn from someone else. Um, oh, and I'm curious how you, uh, cause you're yeah. a, an awesome teacher, um, and an awesome dad. Um, we also have a very big academy where they're probably exposed to a lot of other instructors, but how do you, yeah. um, approach teaching your kids as their professor? Man, that is such a great question. You know, I actually asked Alberto Crane, our, our professor, a similar question because most of the time his kids are getting instruction from his students. And so I just, 
I really like the way I teach and the way I train and kind of my mentality. And it's something I want to give to my kids, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's something very special to me that I want to pass on to them. Like, you know, I, I have a very takedown centric jujitsu, right? That said, I also have a very, I like to think I have a pretty good guard too. And so, um, I, I don't know. It's something I want to share with them. Right. And, and so I feel like it's my job. That said, I think your professor, your previous professor is totally right. Like I, I think there's a fine line that can be crossed when you teach your child something and that they're, they're hesitant to learn from you. Right. They're, they're more resistant to learning from their father, this thing outside of like parenting. Right. Like, um, and so I think there's some value to that, which is why also it's great that we train at such a large academy where there's so many instructors. Malena loves Mar- Professor Marco, Professor Erica, all the other professors she has, you know. And so it's when they're teaching her, I'm like, yeah, hands off, dude. You 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 run yeah. the show. And she's in my class. I'm like, I, I watched her the other day. I was like, yes, she's learning. She's got the double leg down. Let's go. So your um, your so approach it, is yeah. your approach is um, a give her the gifts that you want to give her the, the better parts of your jujitsu yeah. and the way that you teach, which is, you know, as, as, as I would say, uh, an occasional student of yours, you know, you're, and those are awesome lessons and recognize that there are other people in the Academy that can also provide Absolutely. value and just be, be humble and allow your kid to have that experience of being their student as well. Totally. Dude. Look, I also recognize I'm not the know all end all be all of jujitsu, right? Like by any means. So there are things that other instructors, whatever belt they're at, are going to be able to add to Milena and her jujitsu growth and Shia, right? Yeah. That I'm just not going to be able to do because there are going to be things that they do and say that resonate with her more than what I do, right? Like no matter if it resonates with everyone else in her class, you know? And so, um, and that's one thing that I really appreciate about legacy is that like everyone there is in it for everyone. Right. Yeah. It's a good gym. Yeah. Yeah. One other thing I'll, I'll add before I, I've been talking a lot, but I'll add like one other thing that's been going on with um, Milena is so she started homework and it's been hey. such a shit show. It's cause <laughs> she's in a dual immersion program and it's all in Spanish. All her homework's in Spanish, dude. Wow. And so like her math homework will come up, come home and I'm like, I gotta be. I gotta email this teacher. Like you're killing. I need the English version of this, please. Like I, <laughs> I know Spanish ish. I like. I took Spanish when I was younger. Like I don't remember this. And my kid, she thinks I, she does think I know it all, right? Like so I can't yeah, like course. help me out to teach. You know, like so it's been a bit yeah. rough. Like it's been a little bit of a shit show. So I say like I know tourist Spanish. You know, I know enough Spanish yeah. to like get myself yeah. in trouble. Uh, we had this, <laughs> Becca and I had this hilarious situation on our honeymoon where, I mean, and, you know, my, my, uh, stepmother is, uh, she's from Argentina. She's like yeah. completely fluent. Um, and her whole family is, and they, they can just go back and forth. I, I have, I have no reason not to be more <laughs> fluent. I took uh, almost four years of it in college. Um, Same. Yeah. and so that like, was so long ago, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. easy to forget but, that stuff, especially if you're not practicing. Beck and I walked into this bar in, in, in Barcelona on our, our honeymoon and I like walk right in and I start talking to the bartender in Spanish and I get some momentum. Like I'm like oh, confident shit. and I sound <laughs> like a pro and he is stoked and he starts talking, like speaking back to me oh, and then no. he can see the exact moment where I was like, oh shit, I am out of my depth. I knew, <laughs> and I knew like 
enough conversation just to get myself in trouble. And Beck and I talk about it all the time because it is very indicative of my personality. <laughs> like, yeah, I, like yeah. we'll just run into a topic super confident and then get in there and be like, oh, wait, I'm way out of my depth. Oh, that's uh, so funny, it's like, man. Yeah, it was like, it was like you know, catching a black belt in a triangle uh, when you're a white yeah. belt, like right off the bat and being like, and like oh, let's go, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man, it's yeah. been a tough few weeks for us. Everybody's been yeah. sick. Um, I've been struggling oh, with my man. fitness. So yeah. like I said, I got, I got cold. And so I have this real, uh, I have a hard time balancing jujitsu and cycling. So I am way more serious about jujitsu than I am about cycling right now. But there's a part of me that really has a hard time letting go of cycling and my cycling fitness yeah. because I yeah. felt like my cycling fitness has continued to help me throughout my jujitsu journey. Uh, and there's just a little bit, I think of ego involved. It's just a part of my identity that I'm not really comfortable totally letting go of. And so I get on the bike and I look at my numbers, like my power output, and it's just not where I comfortable with it being, you know, when I was a, a, a track yeah. runner, I was always like, look, I should be able to get out anywhere and run a 5K at a 6.30 pace off the couch. Like, that's going to always be me, always be me. And then you go out, yeah. you know, and you run at some point and you're like, oh, man, I can't hold an 8.30 pace for <laughs> three and a half miles. <laughs> what yeah. the fuck happened? And, you know, then I'm having these questions about, oh, well, should I commit more time to the bike? Well, that doesn't really fill my cup right now. Maybe you just need to accept that you're not going to be the fastest guy on the bike all the time. Anyway, well, look, so, yeah. Dude, I'll tell you, first of all, I'm glad everyone's feeling better. I know it took you guys out for a while. But, um, you know, I'll also say, man, like, look, you also got a lot on your plate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you got a lot on your plate. Something's got to give, right? Like, and so – you know, just because you're not cycling every day doesn't mean that you you are not a cyclist, right? We've and we've talked about that on this show before, right? Like, you can be all those things, and just because you're not doing it every day doesn't mean it's not still part of who you are, right? So yeah, give yourself some, you know, catch catch yourself a little bit of slack. Yeah, I appreciate that. Man. On the other I end of that, probably... your jujitsu is getting really good. You know what I mean? Like your jiu-jitsu, your, every time we roll, it's better and better, man. Like like oh, it, man. It's just it's getting really really good, man. It's fun I to watch that. and experience. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, I know. And I feel like also being a little under the weather has really – has actually kind of helped my jiu-jitsu. Like walking into the den, uh, the gorilla den yeah. where we train on Saturdays and being like, man, I don't feel very good just because I, I, my gas tank is not very very great. And I'm coming in here with some tough dudes. Where yeah. am I going to find places to hide and where am I going to find places to to attack? Not the den, because baby. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's been really nice to grow yeah. my confidence in my jujitsu in some places that aren't based on my athleticism. I actually heard you talking yeah. to one of your students recently about this. Um, yeah. He, he was mentioning that he, I, I can't remember exactly. I had, this is embarrassing for me. I had just rolled with him and he kind of hurt his shoulder a little bit while we were rolling. Yeah. And I felt so bad. And uh, so we, I was talking to him about other stuff afterwards. Then I heard you chatting with him off the mat and you said, um, you know, in other avenues of life, you know, you could just lean on your athleticism and your strength. And this is a place where, cause he's not a particularly athletic cat. Um, yeah. and you were, I think you were pepping him up. So anyways, I mean, it's true, it's right? Like, like, yeah, it, you know, it's like, there are going to be times, I mean, ultimately this is a martial art, right? Like, and there's going to be times where we need to pull out our self-defense and we may be going against someone who's more athletic than us. We may be tired, whatever. We may be sick. 
But if someone, if I ever am in a situation where I need to protect my children, my family, I'm sure the same for you. I don't care how tired I am. I don't care how tough the person is. I'm going to be leaning heavy on that technique that that other person doesn't have, right? They may have the athleticism. They may have the strength, the size. They're not going to know how to hit an arm bar like I can, right? Like, and so that's where we lean in when, when we're not at our best, that's when our technique flies. Totally. Um, and then just a few other things with us. We started preschool, which has been amazing. Uh, We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, really happy with the choice we made in in terms of the school that we picked and, and the style of, of education that their, their, their curriculum, um, and, uh, yeah, man, everything else I think is, I think we're getting our, our feet underneath us again. So, nice, brother. which, I mean, this is, this, this is a good opportunity to bring up our, our topic this week, which I mentioned before, yeah. which is white belt mentality. Um, I'm going to first ask Uday what you think white belt mentality is as somebody who is between the two of us, the farthest away yeah. from being a white belt. Um, yeah. What is, <laughs> what is it? And what do you think it, it means? You know, I think ultimately having a white belt mindset is always being humble enough to always be learning no matter how far you've progressed, you know, and, and it's so important, you know, white, having that white belt mentality throughout every aspect of your life is so important because look, failure is ultimately the best teacher, right? And um, when you're a white belt, a lot of what you do is fail, right? And and hopefully you're learning from those experiences. It's like, you know, we always talk about with our kids, like you put your hand on the stove enough, you're going to learn. You don't want to put your hand on the stove, right? And so having that mentality of just always like learning, you know, and um, you know, I think ultimately most of us are white belts of things we don't even realize. And we put all this immense pressure on ourselves to be perfect um, when we really should just be in that learning play- phase, you know, and, and actually – this is a good opportunity for me to apologize to somebody here. Um, you know, I think it was episode two where you had asked me like, how is Van so good at like this, that, and the other being a mom? And I said, you know, look, she's just naturally good. It comes natural to her. And Van listened to the episode and she's like, she was, she was pissed. She was like, <laughs> dude, you know, you know it's not natural to me. You know how how hard I've worked. And something I'll share, like, you know, in she's Vietnamese and in, in her culture, it's like, you know, there's not a lot of like she's a Vietnamese refugee. She came here on a refugee boat. So her parents weren't didn't lean into the the I love you's and the birthday parties and like making sure like, you know, um the kids were like kind of in a happy mental state, like all that, right? Like they were like, hey, can we survive day to day? Like, how are we going to get you from this refugee island in Indonesia onto this boat, into the U.S., into a safe, happy household, and, like, make sure you are fed and clothed and educated and all that, right? Like, they didn't have the space for some of the things that we, in our culture, find, a, like, necessary for our kids because we have those luxuries, right? And so she's like, dude, I have to work really hard to make sure that I am doing the things that I didn't grow up with, right? Like I'm saying I love you enough to my kids. I'm there emotionally for my kids as well as like physically and mentally, all that. Like, and she puts in so much work. And um, you know, I think it was it was very short-sighted of me to say, oh, she's natural. She isn't natural. Like, and um 
Van, if you're listening to, if you're still listening to this podcast, <laughs> I hope you are. And I hope you listen to this. And I am so sorry. And I apologize to all the other mothers out there who probably are going through the same thing too. That like it's not easy. It's not natural. And for a lot of people, and you, I, I should recognize, and I do recognize that it comes hard, and it takes a lot of hard work to be a really good parent. Yeah, man. Um, that's. Uh, <laughs> I think. I remember you mentioning me. I was a little upset yeah. with that. Oh, and, man. And, you know, I, ugh, yeah. Also, um, not to change the subject, I just realized I was recording on the wrong microphone. So my apologies if the audio was a little awkward there for the first half of this. Um, yeah, good man, on my end. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's really intense, dude. And, you know, for, uh, yeah. Yeah, going back to, to the idea of, yeah, white belt mentality, what it, what it means for me is a certain is remembering what it was like when I didn't have all of the answers and I didn't confidently feel like I, I knew everything and being yeah. okay with that, being comfortable with not knowing the answers, um, lowering my expectations for myself, being eager to learn and being hungry. Like you think about, I think a lot of older, uh, higher belts, you know, they may struggle with getting to the gym. They may struggle with, sh- sh- oh, certainly when you're later on in your career, right? You're like, I don't have the same eagerness that I had when I was, you know, my first couple of years in this job. I don't really, you know, or particularly like with parents, right? I think when when you, when your partner gets pregnant or when you get pregnant, you might have this like, Oh, I'm so excited about being a parent. And you get six months in two years in you're tired. It's hard you, nobody has slept, um, stuff's expensive. It's yeah. not exciting. It's not fun anymore. Do you still have that white belt excitement that you had? Can you channel that white belt excitement that you had when you first had that, that blue line on the pregnancy test? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, those are, that's so kind of what I, I think of when I think of like white belt mentality. That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. So white belt mentality in jujitsu. So I think you had some cool ideas around this. So what is it like being a white belt in jujitsu? You know, I think when I, when I first started jujitsu, I came from a, a, a pretty strong wrestling pedigree. Right. And, um, you know, wrestlers, the whole idea is to get on top, stay on top and, and, and pin your opponent. And so it was really, it, I really had to step outside myself and outside my comfort zone to get comfortable on my back and not only comfortable on my back, but really find ways of attacking from my back, recognizing that's not the end of the match. That's in many cases, the beginning of the match. Right. And so really humbling myself and knowing that like, if I don't get comfortable with this uncomfortable situation for me, I'm not going to get better. And I think there's, when I think about that specifically, it's, it's really the, difference between getting really tough and getting really getting better in jujitsu right like so many of us want to win the match want to win the day want to be the academy champ right like versus getting better at jujitsu right like and how do we get better in jujitsu putting ourselves in terrible positions finding ourselves in terrible positions taking chances looking for those attacks 
looking for ways of finding submissions versus always having to win. Because when you always have to win, you're not expanding your, your game, right? Like it's, it's a difference between breadth and depth. And I'll also say this, dude, I think, I think both are super important. It's really important to get, have a really deep understanding of a position. It's super important. Everybody knows I love my collar chokes. The way I got good at collar chokes is by finding it everywhere and going really, 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 really deep into them. But it's all, and it's also important to have a wide breadth of jujitsu. And the way we develop that is just being open to getting tapped, getting open to a, when you're a brown belt, black belt, trying something fun and exciting and different and new against a blue belt. And maybe you get triangle choked in the process. That's okay. You know, and I think um, one thing for me is like how I've kind of regained that, that magic for me now as a black belt is, you know, dude, I, I think I told you before, I, I didn't really learn how to protect my feet and my legs until well into my black belt. And I, I'm still learning. So listen, if you're one of my competitors and you're listening to this, ignore what I just said. But um, all, all jokes aside, right? Like I'm still learning how to really be proficient about not only protecting, but really attacking there too. And when, you know, it just makes it so much more fun and exciting for me. And, and, and when you're an upper belt, finding that excitement to your point, right? About like, how do we find that excitement on those hard nights when the baby's crying, feeling like a white belt again, feeling that, that blue line, right? Like as you get deeper into this, it's harder to find those moments and you have to actively look for them. And yeah. so one of the things, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I just, I don't want to backtrack too much and I don't want to get too yeah, into yeah. the minutia, but you have a unique yeah, perspective yeah. in that you are an accomplished wrestler that came to jujitsu yeah. and, and wrote it out, which is something that a lot of people listening to this have probably experienced is something that a lot of people, when I get, I get DMs, people are like, yeah, I wrestled in high school. I miss it so much. Yeah. Should I try jujitsu, et cetera. Um, Absolutely. <clears throat> and I know that transition is really hard for people. And I was just wondering yeah. if you could speak to a few tips maybe to help yeah. white belt wrestlers get comfortable totally. in jujitsu. I mean, there's the obvious stuff, right? Like you have to learn getting comfortable on your back, but like, I think yeah. mentally, like what are some tips that you can, what are some pieces of wisdom? Cause you've, you've made the transition, you know, pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, man. No, that's a great question. I think it's super important to let go, let go of wrestling because you already know how to wrestle, right? Like for, for those who, who were wrestlers in high school, you're learning a new sport. Right. And, and the, I always say jujitsu and wrestling, they're cousins, not brothers, they're cousins. And so there's similarities and there are pieces that are going to help you across both, but it's a different sport. Right. And so um, it takes a lot of just that, that white belt mentality of like, I know some 120 pound girl is going to catch me in an arm bar and I have to get comfortable with that. And I have to learn how to do that as well. I want to learn that magic. I want to learn how to get out of that. Right. I think it's one of the first, my teaching mentality, the one I teach, it's how to protect yourself first because then you can elongate the match. Right. So great. How do you protect yourself from a 120 pound girl arm barring you? You have no idea how to do that right now. You can take her down, but you probably can't stop that arm bar. And once you do that, how do you how do you stop the 195 pound brown belt from arm barring you once you take him down? Right, like great, you can take him down, but you can't arm defend the arm bar. And so it's really about humbling yourself, right? Going back to that white belt mentality and just kind of recognizing that you don't know it. You may have aspects of it, but you don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, man. 
Totally makes sense. That's yeah. an interesting perspective. Uh, and sorry to cut you off there. I just felt like yeah. you you no, did that dude, really that, well in your jujitsu. You know. Thanks, man. Yeah. Um, you know, for me. Yeah. What about you? In in white belt mentality in jujitsu is, I think. I am still at a place where it presents itself to me all the time where I, yeah. I get lucky. I'm lucky enough to be able to get humbled by people. Um, one, one, one of the benefits of our gym is that the mats are very deep. You know, I, I went to yeah. uh, one of our, our professors had a birthday the other day. And so I went to a night class that I don't usually go to. And it was, you know, our, our average class that we go to, the ratio of black belts to white belts is almost reverse. Like there are like 16 white black belts on the mat and there are, you know, like seven white belts. And so I am lucky to be able to have really good challenging training all the time. When I went to this night class situation was reverse and, um, I'm not going to lie. felt good to run a clinic a couple of times. Uh, and I was like, Oh shit. Like I'm not okay, cool. Like you forget, you know, how, how the depth is. And I think for a lot of people who are higher belts, they have that experience that I had that Wednesday night every time they go to the gym and which is like, it's fun for one night, maybe once every six months, but it's not super rewarding in, in the long haul. Um, and so also thinking about that, like the, how interested most of the people who I was rolling with were in what I was doing, right? Like I was rolling with them yeah, yeah. and everything I did felt like magic to them. And I was like, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> like, you know, I like, there was this kid, he's like a real, like, you know, a, all probably almost 300 pounds, big guy um, who, you know, we were, we were uh, drilling. Yeah. Uh, just doing like closed guard, like, you know, top, bottom out, top, bottom out situation. Yeah. And he was going so hard. And I, I think, you know, 90% of the time when he is on top of somebody in their closed guard, He's like, this is exactly where I want to be. And he is so like, I played with him a little bit and then I swept him and I swept him, you know, sort of like a John Wayne sweep. So he kind of had everything that he wanted and then I took him over and it was like, I get in his mind, he was like, what the fuck just happened? (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, he asks me about it afterwards and we talk about it and they're seeing that kind of eagerness from white belts yeah. is such a good reminder of, wow, like I need to have that perspective in my own jujitsu and all, all like in, in my own life. And and to, yeah. to your point where you're talking about leg entanglements, that game is so deep and complicated that you have to yeah. be a white belt. Like even people that we know are, who are really good at it. When, when we bring somebody new to the gorilla's den, who's also really good at the leg game, but comes from maybe a different yeah. school, we all sit around and have this, like, I mean, probably whatever, you know, poking each other's feet probably looks really weird to people who yeah. in the outside world, <laughs> but you know, we sit there and we're like, Oh, cool. Like here's this Ashigurami or here's this cross. Yeah. You're like, where are you? Like, what is this position? Like, where is the leverage? <laughs> or, or as yeah. Eric said oh, to me look. the other day, Eric said to me the other day, you're doing good. Just don't let me grab both of your feet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, oh my uh, gosh! Yeah, yeah. Eric has—he's been so kind to me in this journey. Uh, similarly, learning the feet stuff. Um, yeah. But it's awesome because with that, with this stuff, I think this Saturday I escaped from a heel hook from Eric or like a, a series, a whole series. Yeah. I actually I got all the way out, and 
that was more exciting to me than tapping him. Like the fact totally. that I was, I was in his A game, in his worst part, the worst place for me. And I made it out. Like, yeah. And I made it out with the things that he showed me how to do. It was yeah. like, oh, this is so cool. Anyway, so like bringing that excitement to your own jujitsu is, I think, I think that's a common experience that a lot of people at our level have, right? Is like, okay, cool. Like we ignored legs. <laughs> we got to figure you know, this shit out. It's so easy as, a, as an upper belt to get kind of complacent and content with like, oh, I'm just going to keep doing my thing and I'm going to be good here. And and it gets kind of boring after a while, you know, like you, you, you don't have as many training partners that are going to challenge you, right? Yeah. On the flip side of that, if you find something that you want to fine tune or a weakness you have, you just expanded your entire pool, right? Like, look, I can pass Eric's guard like hot knife through butter anytime I want. You hear that, Eric? You hear that? But. <laughs> but when I get into those leg entanglements, I'm in his world, dude. And now yeah. I've just made that role a lot more fun for me. Right. And so, yeah. um, obviously I'm just speaking tongue in cheek, you know, Eric is really good. And, um, and it's even more of a fun role when I have something to, to learn in that role. And he has, he has a challenge too, right? Like he's dealing with me. I'm dealing with those leg entanglements. It just becomes more fun. Right. Yeah. Um, and I will say, so, I had mentioned this yeah. to you before. I I feel like there are two types of black belts. There are black belts that are um, very wide in their knowledge. And I, there are black belts that are very deep in their knowledge. And sometimes as black belts that are very deep in their knowledge, it's of um, one sort of position, one technique, one, one angle. There's nothing wrong with that. But um, sometimes the it can be sort of a, a boring role or it can be sort of, I mean, it's very mentally challenging for the person that they're going against, but you wonder how it feels to be them. And again, it's not a bad jujitsu. It's just one style of jujitsu where it's like, Hey, all roads lead to close guard arm bar. Yep. All roads lead here. And no matter what you do to me, I'm going to get you back to this spot, which is really good for like competition. Um, but then there are these black belts that are, Hey, I'm just better than you everywhere. <laughs> you're like, yeah, yeah. man, it doesn't matter where we go. It might be close, <laughs> I gotcha. yeah. but they're going to get me, you know? And yeah. like, I think that is a different in the, like that one's really interesting, but that black belt probably not as good at competing, right? Because they're, they're then in the margins of people who then they're, they're yeah, they're, they're battling for these small margins. Um, yeah. And it is why I think I've mentioned this on another podcast, sometimes competing can really help you get better, but competing can also make you not get better. Because when you go into a competition, in, in many ways, you can't have a white belt, clean slate mentality. You should, right. and I, I would never, whenever a white belt tells me they're competing, I go, cool, what's your what's your game plan? What's your strategy? Let's work out the first 30 seconds of the match. Let's, let's rehearse it. Let's do it over and over and over again. I don't say, hey man, let's explore the potential of where this match could, could go. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. You need to impose your will. You need to go first and, and you need to dictate where the match is going to go. You should, you should be comfortable in these other places, but you shouldn't let the match go to those other places. The match should go to where yeah. you want it to go. And that, yeah. So anyways, so that means you have a, a narrow, but deep jiu-jitsu. Yeah. And that's, a, yeah. that's that same idea, right? Of, of tough, 
versus getting better breath yes. versus yes. depth and i think it's yeah. if you re- if you're listening to this and you want to have a really well-rounded jiu-jitsu game you want to be a good competitor you want to expand your game it's important to have both right there are going to be days where you want to work on all right, today I'm just working on getting really, really, really deep in my triangle chokes. I want to find it from everywhere. And there's going to be days or months or weeks, right? Whatever, however you kind of spice up your training um, where you're like, okay, I'm going to find a way to like, I want to expand. I, I always hit triangles. I want to see if I can hit Uma Plata, right? Like I want to see if I can do X, Y, Z, and then getting really deep into that, right? So it's important to do both. It makes you more well-rounded. And um, yeah, yeah, man, so it's, it's breadth and depth. One, one last thing I'll say here is I just want yeah. to give Uday his praises. Uday is, as, oh. a, a, as accomplished of a grappler he is, I would say he brings a humbleness and an eagerness to learn in almost every situation. Like whenever I can I literally at the Gorilla Den this Saturday, you were asking me a question that uh, – and you were asking everyone a question about um, – uh, scoring and positions that most people wouldn't wouldn't ask or wouldn't be willing to hear about. You know, they wouldn't um, yeah. at, at your level. I, I think it's really impressive that you. Um, and then again, when we you'll come into a noon class and you're just like, okay, cool. What's the technique? Oh, that's neat. Oh, this is a cool detail. We learned this choke from Anthony the other the other day, and you were yeah. genuinely so stoked about that technique. Yeah, um, I remember that. Yeah. And, and I, I think that that's a really, I just want to say that it's something that you as a, as a person actually live. Thanks, man. It means a lot to me. You know, I think it's just, it makes life more exciting when, when you don't know it all. Right. And so I appreciate you saying that. I really do. Yeah. Um, And I need to stop playing half guard. (laughs) (laughs) Man, that half guard's nasty though. It's nasty. I love it. Let me, let me ask you something, man. Um, Not to go too, too deep on this, but, we're here, so why not, right? So um, when when outside of jiu-jitsu have you, and outside of parenting, have you had to kind of apply a white belt mentality? And, and let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think a good place for this is, so in my professional life, I'm a creative. Uh, I'm a, a copywriter yeah. and a creative director. And with that means um, – that you are presenting creative ideas to uh, clients who are relying on you to be a sort of expert there. And particularly at my level, at my rate, all that stuff, they're like, all right, we're paying for that. I mean, the agencies that I work for, part of what they advertise is they have senior talent, right? And so part of what you need to bring to the table is is a confidence um, to your work. Yeah. That is not not white belt confidence, right? You need to come up there and yeah. be like, "Yeah, I'm a I'm a goddamn black belt and writing headlines." Um, yeah. With that, I think there is a difference between when you're when you're a leader and when you come into that role. It may not be having the right answer. So when the client asks me, um, well, you know, which of these headlines do you do you think is the right one? I mean, you should have an opinion, but yeah, it's about being able to make the right decision. And that's the difference. Yeah. So in order yeah. to make the right decision, you need to be able to accept objectively feedback without the ego of the expert. So as people yeah. provide you feedback, you need to be objectively able to say, there are things that I don't see. There are 
are, are parts of this that I may not understand. And I need to be able to, to accept your feedback without ego before I can make a decision, which is like the expert part of my job. <laughs> so yeah. again, not necessarily having the answers, but being able to make the right decision once you listen to everyone else's answer is kind yeah. of how I, I see it. And so, yeah, dude, it happens at my job all the time where I have to be like, and that's that's the difference. That's actually the difference between senior level talent, I feel like, and junior level yeah. talent. Yeah. Junior level talent is like, I have all the fucking answers. I'm a hot shot, which I have been. And no offense to junior level people. It's more of a, a mentality thing. And you're like, no, man, like girl, right? I am yeah. the writer. Like I know how to write that you paid me to write. I'm not going to listen to you tell me what your ideas are versus a more senior level person is like, Hey man, there are opportunities everywhere. And my brain and my creativity only goes so deep. And if I don't listen to this, these people or this client, or maybe the most junior person in the room, if I don't listen to their point of view, I might be missing something that could make this better. You know, I think oftentimes our, our creativity is limited to our own experiences. And as we work with people with other experiences, our opportunities become more vast, right? And so yeah. particularly as we age, right? As we get older, like, you know, it's, it's, it becomes more challenging to resonate with younger generations. And, I, you know, in a, in a creative environment, that's so important, right? And so some of the yeah. best ideas could come from someone who's more junior in their career. On the flip side, if someone more junior in their career is only looking through their lens, they're going to miss out on having that conversation, missing out on speaking to people of, of a more senior generation, right? So I think to your point, all these ideas come from the people around us and our experiences. I'll say it again, and our experiences. And so, yeah. and of course, we haven't experienced everything on our own, right? So it's important to take in the feedback from everyone. And to your point, leaders are the ones who take in all the taking all the facts, taking all the opinions and make a call. Right. And so I think that's a great example, Blake. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for asking. Um, do you yeah. yourself have an example of a situation outside of parenting and jujitsu where you've applied like a white belt mentality? Yeah, I, I think work is, is a really good one. You, you mentioned that. I think, um, you know, my job search, right. As, as I look for jobs, you know, it's easy for me to be like, all right, well, I know it all. My career experience speaks for itself, blah, blah, blah. Let me just throw together a resume and, and, and I should be getting jobs like this, right? Like it's not, that's not reality, right? And I think what's important is um, it's, it's important to humble myself. It's important that we all humble ourselves to the way things change and the way things evolve in, you know, like job hunting now looks totally different than it did five years ago, 10 years ago, right? And so really understanding how do we, how do I adjust my resume accordingly? Now we have AIs looking, sc scanning resumes, right? Like, okay, how do I speak to an AI and speak to a recruiter and speak to the hiring manager in one document, right? And so um, really humbling myself to understand like what that's going to look like. How, what are the best ways of networking today? Right. Like, and what are the, just like revamping my job search techniques and, and just going in with an open mind and applying that to the appropriate context of the situation. Right. So, yeah. um, so I think it's just really being accepting and open in, in all as aspects and facets of life. Yeah. I, I think that's very relatable. It's an yeah. avenue of life that, 
that white belts you, <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it puts you back For in that position sure. whether you want to be in that position or not i can relate to that oh, a lot gosh. Too. yeah um cool man let's talk about what what how yeah. white belt mindset white belt mentality applies to being parents oh man so um, for me, I, I would just say that like, I feel like parenting is the ultimate white belt mentality activity because it doesn't yeah. matter what phase you are in. It is the first time you're going to be there. And so yeah. you have to, you are automatically pushed into that, those deep waters just by proxy of being a parent and having a child and being responsible and time passing like parenting plus time equals you're not going to know what to do eventually. Like yeah. you have to figure this shit out. And even if yeah. you have, even if you have a kid that you've gone through this before uh, and you're, you're raising a second, you've never been a parent of two kids, right? So it's, it's, totally. you're like, Oh, how do I manage this with two kids now? Every opportunity is new. Um, and as you level up, the challenges also level up just like in jujitsu, I feel like. And even if you're really good at this one thing, I mean, the only constant is change, right? So if you're really good at three and a half, buddy, three and three quarters is right around the corner and it's different. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Matt, I think you spoke a lot of wisdom there in that, in that one minute. And I mean, (laughs) dude, you said it, man, like no two situations are the same. Right, like no, I could speak to you till I'm blue in the face about what it's like raising Malena and Shia, and it's you're gonna have a totally different experience. Some of it might resonate, but you're gonna have a totally different experience with your kids because they're different people, right? They're just ultimately different people, and you're different people than me and Van, right? Like, and and that's it's gonna just always look different. And so the reality is, is that all parents are white belts. If some might be fortunate white belts. But we're all white belts because we're still learning. And, you know, it's it's in some cases the blindly and the blind, right? But, like, we go based on our experience. Where we do level up is, unfortunately, where it's useless, right? Like, when 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 she is four, I'm going to be an expert at parenting her when at four years old when she's 14. But that's not going to matter 10, 10 years down the line, right? So, like, um, it's, it's, it's tough, man. So, um, yeah. I think it's important that all of us as parents – give ourselves grace and space to learn and understand the fact that, look, no matter how prepared we are, um, there's going to be mistakes down the line and we're, we're still learning. We're all learning and we're learning together, you know? And so, um, you know, so that's, that's kind of my thing. I I actually have an interesting story about this. So, um, you know, she and my four year old for the first two years of her life, bro, two years she just turned four for the first two years of her life i was like 95 on the totem pole of her priorities of people like the uber eats driver would come by and she'd be like yo what's up uber eats guy like and i'd be like hey can i have a hug no 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 uber eats guys here dude Man, that so hurts. like yeah oh, it hurts so bad and so for a long time you know, i was getting advice from other parents and my wife and like i was just trying to figure it out and ultimately it was just like i had to kind of you know just adjust my approach and meet her where she's at. And, um, you know, look, this really tore at my soul. Like, why can't I build a relationship with my kid? Meanwhile, Melena and I had at the time, like, and have today a great relationship. And so, you know, eventually I figured it out, right? Eventually it was just, again, meeting her where she is and having our, just continuing to try and have really cool experiences with her 
And um, and we're in a great place now, right? Like she and yeah. I are best buds, just like Malena and I, and and we have that individual one-on-one relationship. Malena and I have the individual one-on-one relationship. We have that two-on-one relationship, which is really cool. Like where I can, we the three of us hang out, and we have that really like kind of tight family unit relationship too, where the four of us hang out, right? And so, um, it takes work, guys. It takes work, and it's it's so worth it at the end. Yeah, I mean, so a lot there. So like one thing that as a yeah, you know, I, I would say. And I don't want it to be hierarchical, right? Like there aren't parents yeah. that are, I, you, you said this before we started, but all parents are white belts, right? Yeah, That's man. Life puts, every parent is going to be because the situation is new and different. But yeah. one thing that I admire about you and Van is your ability to be a unit. So all four of yeah. you together working collectively to, to, be a family. And that's, that's yeah. one thing that, you know, Becca and I struggle with right now is that we're really good, uh, kind of co-parents. We're really good at like, yeah. okay, Blake, yeah. you go take Owen, uh, I'll take Milo. Um, or Hey Blake, you know, you know, you, you watch Milo for a little bit. I'm going to take Owen to preschool, whatever it is. It's, there's not yeah. a lot of, Hey, us all working together and doing stuff together. And part of that is, you know, Milo is seven months old, right? Like, yeah, man. just, you know, you've got, you've got a, a, an infant and that'll, that'll come together. But, um, part of what I wanted to, to mention to that is, you know, we have a sort of, I wouldn't say we don't have really division of labor in the house, but I do most of the cooking. Um, yeah. and you know, certain, certain things or certain roles that we kind of like, okay, these are, these are your things. And I think similar to jujitsu, it's interesting is like, you've got a training partner and it's almost like you keep pulling guard (laughs) or you keep playing top position and you at some point, and this is, you know, Becca and I need to get a little better at this is, this, this actually doesn't have to do with cooking, but it's more to do with like delegating responsibilities of what kid, right? It's me yeah. saying like, okay, I'm going to take Milo for a little bit more and you're going to take Owen for a little bit more. Because right yeah. now I keep playing guard and you yeah. keep playing his opposition, keep trying to pass. And we're both getting really good at these things. But if we want our parenting and, and you know, our game to improve and become really well-rounded um we need to switch it up yeah. we need to switch it up right and yeah. it's actually when i it's <laughs> like this is really morbid okay but when oh, we, we first had owen i was sort of in those first few months i think i don't know, maybe other parents can relate to this i had i was really i was frustrated in some ways because there were things that i just couldn't do right yeah to to console Owen or to help him because yeah. he's a baby and Becca has the boobs and like there, yeah. he was in her belly for nine months. Like that's, you know, yeah. there were just certain things. And I think other parents have, have, you know, written into us and mentioned this and, you know, in that role, like the goal is like happy, healthy family. And sometimes the best yeah. parent you can be is supporting the parent that the kid is attached 100%. to at that point. Right. Um, well, I'll, I'll- I'll also say uh, this, dude. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, you go. You I was just going to say, I had this mentality that like, there is a chance that one of us could no longer be here and I'm going to have to sure. assume the responsibility for the whole family. So I need to know how every piece of this operation runs. And yeah. so I was like sort of obsessed with being competent at everything. Um, and as you get deeper in the game, you know, you, you learn to yeah. let go of some of that, that stress, uh, but still be eager to learn. Man, that's a great point. 
You're right. It was a little morbid, but I'll tell you this. Honestly, I think <laughs> about the same thing all the time. No, dude. Yeah. No, 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 dude. I think about the same thing all the time. I'm like, I don't know how I would do this without Van and I got to yeah. figure it out. Right. Cause like, um, God forbid something happens to one of us. Right. Like, so, um, but look, man, I'll also tell you this. I, I'll repeat what I said earlier. You've been a father of two for seven months, <laughs> seven months. Think God, about your jujitsu so seven months in. <laughs> Yeah. Think about how how where you were in jujitsu at seven months, right? You probably sucked, right? And so yeah. I'm not saying you suck as a father by any means, but you're still learning. So yeah. give yourself the space and the grace to understand that this is still a learning process, right? For not yeah. only you, but for Owen, for Becca, right? Even Milo, right? Like all four of you guys are learning how to be a family unit together in this kind of new scenario, right? And so it's only been seven months. And so, dude, it took us two years. It took me two years to get there with Shia, right? Like, so I mean, I'm speaking a little bit tongue in cheek. It wasn't quite that long, but it was it was like a big chunk of time. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, man. Like, give yourself some space. You guys are still learning what this looks like together. I appreciate that, and you know, having that again, having that jujitsu perspective. I think that's part of why jujitsu is so cool, man. It's it's something that like yeah. it takes so long to get really good at that it's it's like a chunk of time that is unfathomable when you're sitting yeah. at the beginning of it. And then once you're, you can apply that again, again, I guess it's like like the mentality, you know, you can apply that same perspective to other parts of your life where you feel like you're out of your depth. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Um, cool, man. I think we should answer a question. Yes. You ready to we do got this? A good one this week. Let's do it. Yeah, we got so, a good one. Um, a young man wrote into us. Um, his name is, is Ryan. Um, he, uh, I'll, I'll read some of his email. Um, who he is a single father of, uh, one awesome two and a half year old boy. Um, he is no longer with their, their mother. Um, however, they remain on good terms. They're, they're doing well with their co-parenting. Um, he has a nice, he has a fiance, um, who is very generous with watching their son while he trains. He is a, like a, a one stripe blue belt, I think, but due to only having him part time and working full time, um, he has to reduce his, his training frequency. Um, <clears throat> here's like the, the crux, right? So he grapples a lot with the guilt of when he chooses to train on the nights that he does train, he doesn't really get to see his kid very much. Um, and his fiance has stepped up and is watching the kid and they're, they're forming a really cool relationship. Um, and you know, she, her feedback to him is that he's a much better dad when he gets to train regularly. Um, but he struggles with feeling like, you know, <laughs> like a proper degenerate, yeah. you know, sitting at the gym all the time while his fiance is looking after the kid that he only gets to see half of the time. Um, yeah. but then again, you know, probably not feeling super good about, his jujitsu when he's sitting at home, not doing anything. Um, again, he's, he mentions this isn't exactly our situation, but he, he wants to know if we have some feedback for him or, or some advice. Yeah. Ude, what are your thoughts here? I have a lot of thoughts and hopefully they're helpful, Ryan. So look, I think, I think my, the quick and easy answer that came into my head right away and doesn't make it the right answer. The quick answer is, or rather the easy answer that makes you feel good is you got to do the things for yourself that make you feel like you, right? And make you feel whole. And I think it's also really important to remember that this time with your child is fleeting. 
it goes by fast, super fast. And so the I understand and I resonate with that guilt you're feeling. And so the question I pose to him is, what adjustments can you make in your lifestyle that kind of feeds both these needs, right? The need to train and make yourself feel whole, make yourself feel like you, and feed that beast that wants to be with your kid so that you can experience these moments. Um, you know, maybe it's training in the mornings really early um, before he wakes up. Maybe it's training after he goes down for the evening. Uh, maybe it's adjusting your training days. Now, I, I think it's really awesome that his son is building this really great relationship with his fiance because, you know, kind of going back to our earlier point, having that really strong family unit and him, his son, seeing his fiance and his future wife as part of that family unit, it's going to be really important for all of them, right? Um, and, and how he views his family growing up as he grows up. Um, you know, maybe it's, it's finding a place that's really close to home to train. Right. And I, I think that's going to be important to his lifestyle. You know, I can tell you what worked for me um, because, you know, it's a similar situation. I like to train a lot, you know, like, and it, it put a lot of pressure on my wife. I was training a place that was great training and it was like an hour away in traffic. And I would be there for two hours. I come home and be an hour back. Right. It's, it was not sustainable for my wife, my daughters or me. And so what I did is I found a place that is a five minute bike ride from my house with Alberto Crane. Great training. Right. Like, and um, I trained the, during this like, kind of busy time when I was working and trying to be a father and juggle it all. Three days a week at 6.30 in the morning, I was in the gym. Three days a week, getting an hour, quick hour, really good training. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, one hour each in the evenings while the kids are doing their thing. One hour, ride my sprint my bike right back home and hang out with the kids, specifically Fridays, right? On Fridays, in and out really quickly. Maybe you have some space at home. You lay out some mats, right? That way you can be present father while training. Set up the kids. Let them watch you eat. Well, let them watch you train while they eat dinner, right? Like, So I think it, it's going to take a lot of creativity on your end. And I think it's important to find that creativity. I think it's important for you to find that flexibility so that you can, again, feed both those beasts that, that require your attention, right? What are your thoughts, Blake? I, I, I will just add that like Uday is in a two-parent training household. So Van, totally his fair. wife- yep is also a very accomplished grappler and they managed to make it work for both of them. Um, and they it also I mean, makes it easier. Trained. So I, it, yeah, it, also, it true, makes it, I, I won't, um, under, I don't want to underscore the fact. I mean, I want to underscore the fact that it does make it easier for us to yeah. go through this and do this. Right. So I, I can empathize with Ryan's situation here and yeah. I know it's not a like one-to-one -one situation either. Yeah. Um, okay. I first of all, second everything Uday said, um, and uh, that's very. I think that that gets to the the guts of of the feeling, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> don't want to miss out on this time with your kid. You don't want to miss out on training. So I will try and give you some like practical advice. So one. I just want a second that there are more way, more than one ways to train, right? So if you can't make it to the gym, yeah. um, you can definitely go down YouTube rabbit holes. Uh, you know, Jordan teaches jujitsu is one of my favorite accounts for people kind of at your level. It's also one of my favorite accounts for people at my level, uh, which is like practical jujitsu, easy to digest stuff that like, Hey, after the kid goes to bed, maybe there isn't a night class. You can watch a, a, a video of his and try and gain some knowledge and then apply that when you do go to the gym, not, not like going to class, but it's not like you're not doing jujitsu. Um, yeah. so the second thing I wanted to mention is that, um, 
uh, what I do is I don't, what you're experiencing right now, uh, Ryan is decision fatigue. So every time that you go to jujitsu, you're making a choice to go to jujitsu. Every time you stay home, you're making a choice to stay home. And that is, um, like has a huge emotional, like burden to it as well as a decision burden, right? So when you're at the gym, you're thinking I should be back home with my kid. And so you're not enjoying your training. And then when you're hanging out with your kid, you're enjoying it, but you're also thinking, crap, I'm missing out. My jujitsu is. And so every time you are, you're churning this really intense choice, which works for me is developing a schedule and just adhering to the schedule, create some minimums for yourself. That's what I did. Uday is, uh, so on, on the maximal end, right? Like he's able to get to the gym more frequently also because he's an instructor, like he teaches jujitsu, but I'm, I, I set some minimums. I said three times a week, 15 rounds. If I can go three times a week and get 15 rounds of training in my jujitsu is going to get better. I'm going to feel okay. That's the minimum. Anything on top of that is additive. I then go to my wife and I say, Hey babe, what I mean? And, and I, full disclosure, I train four times a week and I get way more than three rounds in, but I say, what are the days in the schedule? How can we get the, here's the time. And so then when I am at jujitsu, that's when I'm at jujitsu. And I don't have to make the choice every single time that I go, oh, my deadbeat dad, because I'm at jujitsu and I'm not sitting there on the mats going, oh man, I should be at home. What am I doing? Because that is the time that I have designated to do that thing. And I and then when I'm at home, I'm not sitting at home being like, I should be at the gym right now because I know when the gym is coming up, I know that it's coming up in a day yep. or two and that it's right around the corner and that I'm going to make progress because I'm doing my three days at a time. So again, eliminate the decision-making, remove the decision fatigue, create a schedule yeah. and adhere to it. My, my, um, the, this woman I dated years ago, her dad used to have this saying this don't pay twice. And his was in reference to like going to a restaurant when you don't enjoy the dish. And then, you know, you sit there and you paid for the dish and then you're eating it and you don't enjoy it. So, you know, don't be shy about sending it back or just maybe, you know, not eating it because you're putting yourself, you're, you're punishing yourself because you paid once. And so by going to jujitsu and suffering and not having a good time, you are effectively paying twice, right? Cause you're, you're doing the thing that you're that you feel bad about and you're feeling bad the whole time that you're doing it. Now this is not a way to justify doing sketchy behavior. It's just saying, <laughs> hey, you know what I mean? Like you could the scale goes wide. Like you can see where this goes, <laughs> you know. Uh, but when you're at jiu-jitsu, enjoy being at jiu-jitsu because you've you've taken that time to go. Don't feel like a deadbeat dad there. Um, because that's that's a waste of your time. That makes it worse. That makes it worse. That means you're not even enjoying the thing that you're not being with your kid to do. Come on. You know what I mean? And then when you're with, when you're with the kid, enjoy the time that you're with your kid because that's the time yeah. that you've designated to be with your kid. And don't feel bad about not going to jujitsu because it's right around the corner. Okay, I'm talking in circles now. I will stop. No, dude, I, I, I think I, I actually really love the idea of don't pay twice because that guilt is a form of payment, right? And I, I think that resonates with me in so many different aspects of life. So I appreciate that note. And I also say this for Ryan is, man, you, you couldn't have asked this question to a better person because I don't know many people who are better at this than Blake at really categorize. And I've mentioned this before, like really categorizing their time specifically for this is my time with my family and I'm all in on my family. This is my time for training and I'm all in on my training during this time. And when it's time to go, Deuces, guys. I'm out. Bye. Thanks for the training. And you're really good at that, Blake. And I, I 
I really appreciate how how you kind of bucket things out like that. And I think yeah, it's something I, I appreciate that I can learn from. And, and, and of course, dude. And I think Ryan. I mean, like I said, that that's a, a really good person to ask. Yeah, and like Ryan, like really practically right now. This morning, I had uh, I sat down on my desk at eight a.m. I have I'm booked until eleven thirty. Uh, I'm going to jujitsu. I'm coming home at. Uh, probably one, one thirty, And then my son gets up from his nap around three. I'm going to, you know, work from one thirty to three. Um, and then I know that I have a, he, he could probably hear me. So we're going to get frozen Y O G E R T after this. And so, uh, <laughs> I know that I have that play date with him in the afternoon. So I'm not sitting here feeling like a ton of guilt because I know that that yeah. thing is on the horizon. I know that my jujitsu is coming up and I know that I did work because I built the schedule. And so I'm not sitting here thinking like, what should yeah. I do? Which yeah. ruins it all for you. Yeah. Good. Right on, man. I think we've sufficiently answered that question. <laughs> yes. Ho- hopefully, hopefully you feel a little bit better about things, Ryan, and uh, let us know how things go. All right. Uh, let's move on to some snacks and some pop culture and lighten things up. Uh, I don't have a snack this week. I freaking copped out. Uh, so Uday is going to have to carry the boats or the- It's all right. You know, it's, it's better today. than showing up with Better than showing up with tangerines like I did. <laughs> Dude, you're showing. never you're gonna don't pay twice for the Clementines today. <laughs> Great callback. All right, so I accidentally you know usually I like to do this as a surprise, right? But I accidentally found I accidentally found this, the the snack that Van picked up, and it is toasted coconut granola bark. Sorry, organic toasted granola bark from Trader Joe's. I don't know if you can see that for those who are able to watch this, but it's in a white bag. Uh, they're gluten-free, and they're basically these granola bars that are covered in chocolate and sprinkled with coconut, and it is amazing. I'm not a coconut person, guys. Oh, wait. You haven't this only is- found them, but you've tried them? I tried them. I tried them. You I actually, wait. Full disclosure, guys. I, I, it's even worse. I tried it with my coffee this morning as I was getting ready for this. Oh, I was like, man. so, you know, it's, it honestly, it's probably for the best because I don't want you guys to have to sit there and listen to me chew granola bar. <laughs> so and I, will I say, that coffee. sounds like a, a food that's optimal experience is enjoyed with a cup of coffee. So yeah, dude, it's so good with coffee. I drink my coffee blacker than midnight and, um, to have this with the coffee, it's like dark chocolate on it. Oh my God, guys. So good. Um, you can find it at your local Trader Joe's and, um, yeah, I would give it a, let's call it a 7.7 out of 10 to seven, seven okay. out of 10 C plus. Yeah. 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 Solid C plus. Uh, um, side note, one of my favorite, um, practices is telling somebody to rate something one to 10, but they can't give it a seven. Oh, can I give it a seven <laughs> decimal? No, I mean, I, you know, you rated this before yeah. I, I, I brought this exercise okay. up, but think about it next time because All right, you, next will, time. you will be shocked at how often you give something yeah. a seven because seven's nice, man. Seven's not a six. Seven? Six is a D. And, and an eight is good. So, all right, an fair eight enough. Is a you know what? So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay, fair enough. I Challenge accepted. Let's do that for next time. <laughs> Clementines, uh, 8.8. <laughs> uh, cool, man. Let's uh, let's talk about whew, pop culture. What are you watching? Man, I always feel so dumb when we do this section because I come <laughs> up with the silliest thing and you've got like this beautiful introspective like 
amazing, thoughtful thing. And so I'm just going to say mine and you can be the smart guy and I'll be the silly guy. Um, so there's a show on Netflix called One Piece and it's based off of an anime, a really old anime that you know, I've never been an anime person, never got into it. And I just kind of wanted something silly and dumb and quick and easy to watch. And it's just like a fun, like turn off your brain and action adventure show. It's It's like a, a live action cartoon action adventure show. And it's just silly and it's fun. It's called One Piece. It's on Netflix. It's easy to watch. I don't want to give too much away, but the characters are all really like that you root for the characters. You know what I mean? Like, and it's, it's a, it's a, you root for the heroes and it's just a fun show to watch. And, um, I think it's something I could watch with Malena, seven year old. You know, I think it's something she would, she would get a kick out of too. I don't, I'm trying to remember back. I don't think there's anything too inappropriate in there for her. So something to watch with one of your like older kids. What about are what you? you got, an, are you an anime like, fan? Independent? Absolutely of- not. Not, okay. not. No. There's a, there cool. was an anime I used to watch when I was maybe like eight, nine, ten years old with my older brother, uh, Robotech. And mm-hmm. outside of that, never, never again, nothing. So <laughs> it, 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 I really stepped outside myself to, to get into the show and it was fun. Nice. All yeah. right, cool. Yeah. Uh, and I will say, dude, we we binged a whole season of The Ultimatum uh, between nice. the last two times we talked. So, like, okay. yeah, I, I'm yeah, in it with enough. you, dude. Probably worse. Okay. Probably worse. But uh, I just wanted to nice. talk about um, – so, yeah, don't feel silly. Um, my buddy, uh, Andrew Vaughn, has this podcast called Choose the Hard Way. He's been doing it for, like, I think five years now. It's really great. He talks to, like, elite-level performers um, about, like, the lessons learned at, like, the the, the edges of – doing really difficult things. And a lot of it has to do with cycling because Andy is a cyclist. He's the former um, senior VP of comms at Strava. Um, and so it's, it's really, he's cool. And he's also, I mean, a really accomplished journalist. Um, he's, he's written for uh, kind of every big magazine you could write for. He interviewed Daft Punk without their masks on. Um, he interviewed Kanye. Like he's, he's done this, there's some crazy, this, all this crazy journalistic work. So this podcast Jeez. is like the culmination of his, like his work in um, communications uh, in, in like tech uh, in doing, you know, elite level uh, cycling. Cause he, he and I used to be training partners. He's an incredible cyclist and, um, and his, his awesome journalism skills. So it's like these interviews with these top performers. And he recently did this interview with this guy, uh, Peter Statina, who is, he was a, a like a world tour pro. He raced the Giro d'Italia, which um, and, and and other like races of that level. So if you don't know, it's basically like there are a lot of levels to cycling. Um, that is like the very peak level of of kind of what 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 is respected in cycling yeah. uh, is like world world uh, tour riders. So that's like the Tour de France, the Giro d'Italia. Um, uh, those kind of big races. Anyways, uh, the, you know, pair of anyways, uh, Peter made a decision in his road cycling career, um, that he was going to shift from being this elite level rider to doing what's called, what's called gravel racing. And so gravel mm. racing is something that I, is my background It's racing on kind of like dirt roads, unsupported, on your own in these like really cool that's like the spirit of gravel like diy races and there that that discipline has become very popular now and it's easier to do it uh for for everybody and some of the races are very big but it's still like the essence of it is like hey 
we're not these like elite level roadies out there. Like we're changing our own tires. We're, you know, oh, wow. like, you know, when our, when our uh, derailleurs break, we're making our bikes into single speeds out there by ourselves so that we can get home. And so he made this big shift and he also right around the same time had twins. Um, and so it is a great meditation for parents who, um, and, and he's still very much a professional athlete, right? Like he goes to these races, he has sponsors that, that pay him and he gets purses at races and he's scraping together an income to support a family, um, doing this. So it's a, it's a really cool lesson, but it's also, he has this great story about the, it, pretty much one of the biggest races of his season. He decided was going to be the first race that he like brings the family to and he camps like they, they camp at the race because it's so remote and so yeah. he's got twins and he's got his sprinter van which is like made for one maybe two people and his yeah. wife and so they are like well we can't put everybody in the sprinter van so like they get this tent and they sleep in the tent for the first two nights and it's freezing and obviously nobody's sleeping and he says there's nothing worse for your health than health than being a parent <laughs> uh, it's like w- worse than drinking whatever and uh the night before his race his wife is like look you're racing tomorrow you go sleep in the sprinter van i'll take care of the kids yeah. and at like two in the morning wow. all of the kids are up because it's freezing cold and his wife is out there trying to keep him up and he's like bring everybody into the van and uh he just talks about just how humbling even a, yeah. a an athlete at his level who's trying to figure all this shit out um is i, I enjoyed it a lot so I, I just wanted to put that out there that sounds it's really cool yeah yeah it's a different perspective than jujitsu but it is still doing hard shit and being a dad <laughs> yeah oh my god that's really cool i gotta give that a yeah, listen man. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you nice. a link. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, yeah. Lessons learned this week. Takeaways, man. Takeaways. Man, I think, you know, it's important to remember that no matter what you do, right, it, no matter how good you get at that thing you do, you're never done learning. And the moment you think you're done learning, that's when you find yourself in trouble. And you should always be around people. I mean, what I try and do is I try and be around people that are always going to kind of force me to continue to learn and always, um, you know, force me out of my comfort zone and force me to continue to grow. And I think that's an important thing for us to do. I I never want to be the the smartest person in the room. I never want to be the best grappler in the room. I never want to be the best at anything in the room. I always want to surround myself and have a cohort of people who are going to push me and push me and push me to get better. Yeah, man. Never want to be the best guy in the room. I think yeah. is really key. I think it's really yeah. comfortable to get there. Um, and you don't even realize it. I, I I'm, I'm really lucky yeah. that I'm <laughs> nowhere near that. <laughs> so, um, I love that. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, yeah, this was a great episode, man. I, I yeah, man. really like even reminding myself when I'm thinking about when we're thinking about these topics to be like, Oh man, I actually like, I need to practice these principles that I'm talking about. Um, it's easy my, to forget. Yeah. Um, awesome, man. Thank you for yeah. your time. Everybody listening out there. Uh, this was a different format today. Let us know how you liked yeah. it. Uh, shoot us an email. We might be able to answer it uh, on our next episode at grappling with fatherhood pod at gmail.com. Um, or you can, uh, you know, leave us a review, rate us, um, send us a comment. Um, Uday, anything else you, uh, 
yeah, you know, I'd love to know from our audience too, like what's a scenario in which you thought you knew it all and, and you got quickly humbled, right? Or what yeah. situations do you bring a white belt mentality to and now or in the future? Like what 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 do you think you can bring your white belt mentality to and um, now that you have this perspective or, or if you've had this perspective, what are you currently bringing it to, right? So love to hear from you guys. <laughs>